remember when you loved what you did for a living and you got excited talking about it? The Portfolio Career Podcast is here to help. Help you find that next project, next idea, or next friend. Host David Davinsky will interview those that have optimized their careers for growth, resilience, and ultimately happiness. Tune in and let's have some fun. Super excited for my second podcast episode with Jillian Richardson. Jillian talks a lot about the history behind the Joylist, how she knew she was a writer at an early age. Now she's on her mission to make New York City and the world less lonely. Tune in for this amazing conversation and have some fun. Welcome to a Portfolio Career Podcast. This is your host, David Nabinsky with Jillian Richardson. Hi. Hi, Jillian. <laughs> so if you were to go to an event tonight, you know, someone says, hi, my name is Peter. And you say, hi, my name is Jillian. And if Peter said, Jillian, what do you do? What do you typically tell people? Yeah, the first thing I always say is the joy list because that's the thing that I think makes for the most fun conversation. Uh, so I say, oh yeah, I run a newsletter. It's called the joy list. It's all about events in New York that you can go to by yourself and leave with a new friend. I'm really passionate about making New York less lonely. Hmm. And also I feel like it just gives people the opportunity to open up. It's a good way for somebody to share something about themselves, communities that they're a part of. I have people a lot of times share to me that they feel lonely. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a really good way to connect instead of me being like, well, I ghostwrite thought leadership for CEOs. Like that's not, that's not as good of a chance to bond with someone. How did you get started with the Joylist? Yeah, the Joylist for me started from a place of loneliness because uh, I moved to New York a little over two years ago now and like was working for myself, working from a really tiny apartment in the East Village, living with people who I kind of knew but not very well. Like We weren't close friends. We didn't really hang out. I didn't have a strong community in the city uh, and I consider myself an outgoing person but I feel like I kept meeting new people, but not actually getting to know anyone, like not forming deeper friendships. So I really started putting myself out there and going to events by myself because I really wanted that deeper community. So I went to festivals by myself. I went to a summer camp for adults called Camp Grounded by myself. And that experience just changed my life. I met people who live the way that I want to, where they're super kind, open to new connections, super playful. They design their own lives. And those people kind of took me into their communities, showed me their events. And then I kind of just got obsessed with finding more things that were like that. I was like, oh, like these people exist and they're everywhere. I just didn't know what places to go to to find them. And once I did find them, I wanted to share them with other people. So that's where the newsletter started. Very long answer to say why the newsletter started. I've never heard this story. And mm -hmm. we've been friends for almost two years. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you scratched your own itch, so to speak, and learned a lot about yourself. And how much time do you spend on the, the joy list? And how do you think about that in terms of your career and, and work? Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's funny. I'm actually, this is a thing I'm working on right now, but I feel like I'm spending more time on the newsletter, which I'm not making money for right now, and less time on writing, which I do make money for, uh, which is a struggle to balance because I love the newsletter so much. 
so I'd say I spend maybe six hours actually writing the newsletter, but then I'd say like two hours answering emails about it, two hours sending sponsorship outreach, like maybe two hours in meetings with people a week, just talking about ways we could collaborate. Uh, and I also just have conversations with people about it. So maybe like 15 ish hours a week of like actual newsletter stuff. And in terms of how, where it fits in my career, I think right now I just want to be known as someone who's a community builder. Mm. I want to be known as somebody who brings people together and who sees that loneliness is a really big problem, especially in major cities. And I want to help fix that. So I think this newsletter is a way for me to put that out there. And as I start to write about that more, also include those articles in the newsletter. Uh, And then as I start to do more events, larger events, collaborate with bigger brands and bigger people, the newsletter is a really good way to promote that as well. So I'm hoping it will slowly start to integrate with the other things that I'm doing and make more sense and kind of be more under an umbrella. Mm -hmm. Uh, So doing that slowly, slowly building the umbrella. Yeah. You know, how did you learn how to be, you know, a ghost writer and, and or, or just general writing? And Yeah, well, it started, I was super lucky. Where One, I think I grew up knowing what I wanted to do. Mm. Like, since I was five, I was that obnoxious kid in school who was like, I'm going to be a writer. And I would, like, read my stuff in front of the class and, like, raise my hand to volunteer to read my poems or read my short story. So... I think I got a lot of positive feedback from teachers growing up that I was a good writer. And then in college, I I worked for a company called Contently. They're a platform for freelancers, and they also have two publications called The Content Strategist, which is about content strategy, and The Freelancer, which is about the gig economy. And I interned for them when I was, I think, in my either sophomore or junior year of college. And... One of the guys who was the CEO of the company tried to get me to quit college and join the company. Like, wow. He like brought me into his office and he said, Jillian, I want you to join this company. I didn't finish college. I don't think you need to finish college. I want you to be a writer for us. So if there's ever a sign that I was meant to get paid for writing, it was in that moment. And... I know that a lot of writers never get that kind of affirmation. They don't get somebody saying, you deserve good rates for your work. You are a professional. And I was 20 years old. So that that felt really good. And I had insider information of how much money these big companies were paying writers for their articles. So I was 20 and getting $500 an article because I was writing for major companies so my bar was set. I'm like, I'm not going lower than this now. And I know people who are 40 and 50 who are writing for $75 an article. And like, no, that, that's not something I'm ever doing again. So when I left school, I already had this huge portfolio of pieces that if you Googled me, you would assume I was someone in my 30s just because like what... 21-year-old has written a hundred articles about content strategy and the gig economy. That's very rare. So I was super fortunate to have that, and that kind of just gave me a huge leg up so that when I did graduate from school, I could immediately go into freelance writing and not have the fears that a lot of people have. Hmm. 
That's incredible. Usually, <laughs> usually the drop out of school is for, I think, probably more technical and, and software based. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when you get that opportunity, <laughs> you know, as they say, yeah. if you see, if you get an opportunity to jump on the rocket ship, mm -hmm. you probably should. Yeah. Oh, and to be clear, I did not quit college. Okay. Uh, I continued to work for them part-time in college. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you worked for them after college as well? Was that... Yeah, so I worked with them on a really freelance basis. So they would refer me to some of their clients. They would ask me to write some stuff. Um, but now, really, I just have a good relationship with some of the people who work there. And like Joe Lazowskis, he wrote the book, The Storytelling Edge, which is all about content strategy. He's super busy now. He used to be my boss, and he'll still refer me work sometimes just because he can't take it on anymore, and he knows that we both have a kind of similar tone of voice. He has a really funny tone of voice. I like to use humor as well, so I could easily take on pieces for him, and it wouldn't be super different. You know, if you were, if you didn't know that you wanted to be a writer such an early age, and you were in college, you know, what would you, how would you start to think about you know, after college and, and how, what other types of skills or what other type of work do you think that you would explore given what you know now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would really join an entrepreneurship program. It blows my mind that I think I took a advertising business class and that was pretty much it. I did not take any business classes. Growing up, I had a, I, I have a dad who he was very set on me having one company that I wanted to work for. So my dad's job was he was a headhunter. So from like 14 years old, I was interning. I was, I feel like I was getting like trained to work for a big company. He would always say, what's your bullseye? You have that big company bullseye and everything you do is working towards that. Uh, and that's awesome and that's a great perspective and I don't want to work for a big company so I kind of had no knowledge on what the other options were. So to have a class that would teach me about entrepreneurship, making my own products, making my own services and selling them would probably have me in a better position now where I'm trying to figure that out right now. Mm. You're trying to figure something out while you're also juggling a lot of other things too, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, I think there's, and there's also struggles with optimizing or designing or working in a lot of different areas, you mm -hmm. know, and you know, what, how do you, how do you get through some of those struggles? Is it communicating to all the different parties? Is there, what's that one thing that you go to when you just feel like things are a little bit out of control? <sighs> to be honest, I'm figuring that out. That I was feeling that way a lot last week where I have so many things that I'm doing for no pay right now just mm. because I love them. And I realized I was starting to put too much energy into those things and not enough into the things that I'm getting paid for, which is writing. And I was starting to feel super stressed out and just very unfocused because there's so many things I want to do and I love trying to do all of them at the same time and that's insane and I can't do that so I think just trying to simplify things for myself so for example with my writing I am thinking about taking some work and outsourcing it to other writers and taking a commission of that and I was like okay I need to 
get an army of like college ghostwriters, get more work for myself, send it to them, do all these things. And then when I took a step back, I realized really, I just need to get two more retainer writing clients for myself. I have the bandwidth to do that and just do that and I'll be fine mm-hmm. instead of creating this whole crazy system. But I don't need to do that. I can just find another content marketing agency, have them find me the work and do it. And it can be that simple. So I think I try and make things more complicated or entrepreneurial sometimes just because it feels cool. But there's nothing wrong with somebody finding me work and giving it to me. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah. can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for opening up about you know some of the the struggles. Mm-hmm. And we've uh, we've all been there. And um, but I think it's it's an opportunity to learn. So let's also talk a little bit about some of the events that you've you personally have organized. Mm-hmm. The Hustle Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hear about that. <laughs> yeah. So that's a thing that right now it's very much on the back of my list of things, but it's going to be a huge learning opportunity for me. So for people who don't know, Hustle Fest is a conference that I started for people who want to go from full-time work to freelancing. And I started it because when I moved to New York, I was really craving classes that would teach me how to up my freelance skills. Like I said, I didn't know anything about business. And I was really surprised at how few opportunities there were for me to meet other freelancers and learn a lot of skills. I didn't want one workshop. I wanted a ton of stuff in a day and just knock it out. And I couldn't find it. So I realized this is a a theme for me. I couldn't find it, so I made it. Mm. And we had the first one in August of last year, I believe. And then we had one in November and one in May. So the turnaround was super quick. Uh, I really enjoyed making a big event. We had, I think, 95 people at the very first one. Then like 100, we had 115. Starting to add things as we went. So by the last one, we had sponsors. Oscar Health Insurance was there. We had a marketplace of coaches so that people could speed date through different coaches. Because I think finding a professional development coach is a really annoying process. At least it was for me to go on five free 30 minute intro calls and figure out if I wanted to give this person money and to just be able to meet a ton of people in person at once felt really good. But the problem with these events was that they were, each one was very different and it was just me and one other person organizing it. And we didn't have really professional roles for ourselves we weren't saying, okay, cool, you're marketing and ticket sales and sponsorships and I'm finding the speakers and the venue and the food sponsor. We'd originally broken it out like that, but quickly just we were all doing everything. And so now I'm starting to transition into moving Hustle Fest into something that is, it is a similar template every time of how the event runs which I don't think will make it less valuable, but it'll be way easier on me. And I've brought in two partners to help me with the marketing and the sponsors and the sales and figuring out how to grow it. I'm going to learn a ton from them because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I'm the super heart-centered. I just want to bring people together. I want it to be amazing. I want people to learn a ton. 
And I don't think, okay, how can I do this with the least amount of energy on my part? Maximize sponsorships. How do I make this attractive to investors? How do we bring this around the country? I don't know how to create that foundation. And to be honest, it's kind of hard for me to work with people sometimes just because I'm so used to the super quick pace of doing everything by myself mm. that bringing other people in was kind of hard, especially because I care about it so much. But I know they're really invested in the project. They're really heart-centered and they know their shit when it comes to investing in money and business. So that that's a longer timeline. I'd say expect another Hustle Fest within the next year but it'll happen Mm, okay that's awesome just Mm -hmm. scratching your own itch you saw something that exist you do it yes and then you learn and then say all right how do we repeat this or how do we grow this how do Mm -hmm. i make it a little bit easier for myself Mm -hmm. sounds like that's a theme too in terms of some Mm -hmm. of the projects that you work on right like yeah throw yourself into it give it your all and then afterwards kind of reflect back Totally. I realized, like you said, that's the theme for me. I didn't really realize that, but it's totally a theme. Like I do a monthly event series for community builders, and I started it because I wanted to be in a room with a ton of people who organize events in New York, and I couldn't find that community. So again, <laughs> I just started it, and it's been the best. I think I've learned this lesson pretty early, but I wish someone in college told me that. to be like, hey... If there's something you want to learn or something you want to position yourself as an expert in, start a thing. Like, start an event, start a podcast, start a blog about that. Mm. People will see you as an expert so much more quickly because that's just how our brands work. It's like, oh, that person's in front of a room talking about community building. And, like, I do have things to share and I do have valuable insights, but I also more want to bring in other people who've been doing this for like longer than I've been alive and share with me. I had an event two nights ago for, for this community builders meetup. And I said in front of the room, I was like, I started this because I want to learn and I want to be around other people who build community. And the two people who I'm co-hosting it with, they've been doing this for a really long time. They've worked at Google. They've started their own communities that are all around the world now And I just want to be with those people. And I think my value is that I just really think that a huge problem that we have in this world is loneliness and disconnection. Mm. And anyone who creates spaces where people can connect are changing the world. And I want to empower those people and help them. Mm. Wow. (laughs) I need to take a moment (laughs) to... to... This is my super heart. Like I get... (laughs) This is the thing that I get really passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I want everybody else to notice that mm-hmm. too. You know, how do you how do you want to be prepared for that like next wave, you know, as you start to, you know, invest into new skills or new groups or new people? Is there something that you're like, "You know what? I and I know you throw yourself into things a lot, but mm-hmm. like even within that, is there something Yeah. I think systems building for sure. Uh, I was talking to a friend on Sunday. We were, we just met uh, Ben, our friend from personal development nerds. And we were just sitting and he was sharing his system of how he writes, how he finds clients, the automated emails that he sends, the structure that he has for bringing new writers into his team, 
I was like, man, I do. I have no systems like this. I have no step-by-step system for finding clients, a email series that I send. I don't, yeah, I don't have really anything automated. And I do use Boomerang for my emails. I do use that to remind myself to send emails to people at certain times. But I really am realizing now how as a freelance writer to be able to, when I meet a client, be like, hey, this is how it's going to be when we work together. I'm going to send you this contract. Then I'm going to send you this invoice. And then I'm going to send you this thing. And like, these are the dates for all of the steps. People respond to that super well. And they're going to want to work with me more and for a longer amount of time because it's clear that I'm a professional. And I think that honestly, the bar for freelance writers is crazy low. I think the word freelance in itself, people are like, oh, this is a thing that she's doing on the side for money and she doesn't actually care. And I've heard from so many people that their bar for writers is they hand it in on time. And like, that's it. Like if, if the writer hands it in on time, they're good. They're a professional. So that blows my mind that so many people wouldn't even hand something in on time. But I think to really charge higher rates and to really position myself as someone who's very professional, I do need to work on having those systems and just, yeah, knowing how to make them and also hopefully helping other writers do the same thing. Cause I know I'm not the only writer who does not have a business background. <laughs> Investing into like the infrastructure. Yes. So. Yes. Sometimes I think, you know, life moves in nonlinear ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may remember the f- one project and be like, oh, that's how that happened. But do you ever kind of look back like one to two years ago and, and of like, wow, that's, I can't believe, you know, four or five steps before that's where some, you know, any, any thoughts on that as you kind of either do reflection of, uh, wow, I, it doesn't make sense how this happened, but I met somebody at an airport and that mm-hmm. person happened to be X and, or, you know, anything along those lines that just, you know, it's kind of nonlinear that has really kind of helped you a lot. Mm-hmm. For sure. I was actually, I was at a dinner party and this is the question that was asked, which is the best question. Like who is someone who, when you met them, you would never expect how much they would change your life. Mm. And I was like, I'm saving that one in my memory bank to use. <laughs> Such a good question. And the person I said, I remember, was my friend Duncan. He is the community manager at ThoughtWorks, which is this really cool company that is part social impact accelerator and part they just like code and do things for really large companies. So it's kind of part agency, part social impact hub. And I met him because my friend Jen Louie, she runs a app called Kinvite, which is a collection of socially conscious events. And she said, like, oh, I know this guy. He's running a camp for people who are interested in social impact. I know you really like summer camps for adults. You should talk to him. So I went. We got a coffee. And at the end of the meeting, he was just like, hey, um, I think we're going to be really good friends. Do you want to just, like, really commit to being friends and just, like, try it out? I was like, yes. And I think we've seen each other at least two times a week since July. So it's been a year since we've been friends. And he's just somebody who really reinforces my belief in the importance of community and the importance of bringing people together to create social change 
and we talk about it all the time. And he also really pushes my beliefs in terms of like capitalism and doing things for money. Cause I think I have a lot of friends who are very into doing things as quickly as possible, doing things to seem like an expert, maybe without putting in a lot of like years or time first. And there's a lot of things that me and Duncan disagree on, but I really appreciate how he will push back on things that I believe in to make me question my own thoughts. And also just the amount of conversations that we have about how our friends are our chosen family and how much the people we surround ourselves with really matters. And I think if I wasn't friends with him, I wouldn't be having those conversations nearly as much. And it wouldn't remind me how important I think the joy list and bringing community builders together and creating events is because like our culture is so messed up. Like we are so obsessed with success and money and hustling and grinding and completely forgetting the soft side of ourselves. So having him in my life as a constant reminder of that, like game changer. Thank you, Duncan. (laughs) Thank you, Duncan. You know, I also do want to give this uh, this an opportunity to, you know, if there's a certain project or a certain, you know, is there something that you'd like to, uh, that you feel like isn't communicated enough or isn't represented enough? And Yeah, thank you. I love that question as well. Um, I really have been thinking a lot about femininity and feminine energy in business. It's kind of become an obsession of mine recently because I realized how most of my identity was really tied to doing things and being a person that achieves and accomplishes and does things quickly, like leave college, get it, work for myself, do the things, become a professional, uh, have people know me for that. And I wasn't spending a lot of time on self-reflection, getting to know myself, doing the inner work that is not immediately apparent to people. It's not a thing I'd get praised for but that is really valuable. Mm. And just knowing that I've kind of, I'd put a lot of time and energy into those kind of more traditionally masculine values and realizing how I'd really lost touch with my feminine side in terms of just my emotions, my nurturing, my um, like my connection to my body and wanting to move. Mm. And... I'm, I just read this book, The Heroine's Journey, which, again, our friend Ben recommended to me, and it blew my mind. I felt like this author was talking directly to me. Like, her, the woman's experience who wrote this book was exactly like mine, where she had parents who were in more traditional gender roles, so her dad was the one who was going out, and he had a job, and he was the one who was making the money for the family and kind of innovating and doing new things, and her mom was the one who was the caretaker and supporting the dad and being there for the children, and so if if the daughter accomplished a lot, then it almost felt like she was kind of betraying her mom, and the daughter had a closer relationship to her dad because she identified with this, like, oh, he has independence, he has freedom, like, of course I'm going to reject what I see as feminine because I don't want to be a person who kind of their identity is tied to everyone else except themselves. So like, yeah, I don't want that. I do want to be like the masculine and that's completely what I did in my family. And now I'm looking back and realizing how I totally cut myself off from like womanhood 
and even this doesn't sound great but would almost like look down on women sometimes or like want to be like the special woman who like gets along with all the guys and can keep up and can achieve and accomplish that I just lost my softness so much Mm. yeah so (laughs) so that's a thing I've been talking about just like it resonates with me so much and I know so many other women especially New York City Mm -hmm. feel that way yeah well, maybe you can host an event <laughs> no, and, right? bring, and start a new community that way. Don't even this. tempt me. I will. <laughs> I'd also would like to say thank you. You know, such deep respect for you. And thank I, you. I'm like I'm like clutching <laughs> my heart right now. And so I wanted to at least give you one small little takeaway from today <laughs> to say thank you. Yes, and I've been squeezing it literally the entire time we've been talking. So I like emojis and gifts mm-hmm. as a way to, you know, like the joy list. It's just to, you know, if, there's a, if you can make somebody smile or laugh or mm-hmm. like, and I think emojis and gifts do that. And yep. so I'd like to, so some, when earlier today I was thinking about ways how to, to say thanks for your time. And I just saw this and it mm-hmm. just... It's a uh, emoji stress ball, I mm-hmm. guess, and uh, so enjoy. <laughs> the tag says, "Not real food. Do not eat." <laughs> See, this That's... looks like real food. <laughs> yeah, please don't eat it. Uh, no, no promises. How could others find you and support some of your efforts? And you know, what's the best way to reach out? Thank you. Yeah, the Joylist. If people want to subscribe, they can go to joylist.nyc. We're joylistnyc on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with me about any writing projects, my website is thatjillian.com. And my email is thatjillian at gmail.com. People can also use that email if they want to talk to me about the community builders meet up in New York City. Or if they just want to chat with me about femininity and business and being soft in a really hard edge city like New York. uh, I'm down to chat about that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, Jillian. <laughs> Thanks so much. Boom.